Greetings and salutations, boys and ghouls. Thanks for checking out another episode of Creep Academy. I'm your host, as always, Ghastly Ash. We're finally out of January, which felt like it took an eternity to get through for some reason. And I'm sure by now all of you guys are starting to plan for Valentine's Day and all of those little love shenanigans. But I, on the other hand, am actually more excited that we're at least one month closer to Halloween. Or 268 days left to go. But not only that, the amazing thing for me about living where I do is that we have an amazing horror community here, and there's spooky fun things to do all throughout the year. So there's always something for me to kind of get into. And we've got Haunt Expo later this month, Horror Con in April, Monster Palooza in May, Midsummer Scream in July, not to mention all of the cool stuff that Scare LA and the Bearded Lady Oddities and Sugarman Gallery sets up throughout the year. So it's really fun to really just be active with this community. And hopefully I can visit as many of these really cool spots as they come and share them with you all, maybe in little snippets or mini podcasts, just to kind of let you guys know all what I'm doing. I also set up TikTok for some reason. I don't know. I haven't used it, but who knows what I can use it for. I'm sure lots of cool, creepy things will come to mind later, but for now, it's just a blank page. (laughs) But in the meantime, let's get started with today's episode. And this episode is going to be about the tragic and heartbreaking murders of Amina and Sarah Saeed. Today's episode may be quite a bit longer than my previous episodes, but I feel like this story deserves all of the details to be carefully told, and trust me, there's a lot of them. Amina and Sarah's story is one that I've actually heard quite a few years ago, and one of those quick little ID show segments had them, and it's kind of haunted me ever since. I hate to say that it's my favorite case, because favorite probably isn't the right word for something so terrible, but... It's the one that actually affected me to the point where they happen to cross my mind every now and then when I'm thinking about not only my podcast stuff, but other things as well. And I'm very familiar with this case. And whenever I think about it, it starts to make me overwhelmingly sad and frustrated. And recently, when watching a documentary about the case, made me really angry as well for so many reasons. But I guess the best place to start is the beginning. Amina and Sarah's father, Yasser Saeed, immigrated to the United States from Egypt in 1983 and a few years later met and married his wife, Patricia Owens. Many accounts from family and friends state that Patricia was only about 14 years old when she met the Saeed family, and she met them while she was working in a convenience store in Tarrant County in Texas and began first dating Yasser's brother, Yassine. Yassine asked Patricia's hand in marriage, but shortly after, things kind of got rocky and ended between Patricia and Yassine, and she began to date his brother, Yasser. Yasser approached Patricia's father asking permission about whether or not he can marry Patricia, and her father hesitantly gave in due to the Saeed family convincing him that they would be able to take care of her. They were very well off, and she would never have to struggle with anything. So... Remember, Patricia at this time is only 14 or 15 years old, and it sounds absolutely insane and horrifying, especially when you consider that Yasser was 14 years older than Patricia. Already, there's an enormous red flag there. He's a pedophile from the jump, but everyone kind of chalked it up to just cultural differences at the time. After their wedding, Yasser and Patricia's three children, Islam, Amina, and Sarah, were born in pretty quick succession. Islam in 88, Amina in 89, and Sarah in 90. Yasser also had another daughter from a previous relationship that was born in 1987. 
So here's the first time the story gets a bit tricky. Patricia says that about after six months of marriage, Yasser began to become controlling and he'd isolate her from her family, have verbal abuse, and sometimes even physical abuse occurred, including cutting her legs and stabbing her while she would refuse to have sex with him. These accusations were straight from Patricia herself, but the thing that makes it confusing is that the fact that Patricia has changed her story several times about this and other things in her, the defense of Yasser later. And you'll see that as the story unfolds here. By all accounts, Amina and Sarah were very happy, vibrant young women, and they grew to be so as teenagers. They were tomboyish, but Amina was more of the girly girl than her sister Sarah. The problems with their father began a bit earlier on, though, and in October of 1998, when Amina and Sarah were only nine years old, they told their maternal grandmother that Yasser was sexually abusing them. Amina made a statement explaining that Yasser had previously, quote, put his penis against her vagina once, but inserted his finger on multiple occasions, end quote. Sarah stated that he had also violated her vagina and wrecked him with his fingers. Patricia alerted the police and took Amina and Sarah to get examined at the local hospital, leaving Yasser to stay with her mother. In a taped interview with police, Amina stated that the abuse began one to two years prior, and the most recent incident had happened two weeks before that police interview. The doctors examined the two girls, but they ruled that since it happened so long ago, there was no physical evidence left. However, they clearly stated in their report that the, quote, exam does not rule out sexual abuse, end quote. The police did take Yasser in for questioning eventually, but he wasn't arrested for that particular charge. So instead, he began harassing Patricia's family with nonstop phone calls and threats. Because of this, the police eventually arrested him with a charge of retaliation. Here again, Patricia tells a confusing lie. She states that Yasser was in fact not arrested for retaliation, but for unpaid parking tickets, which it, it's a little strange to me because it's easily proven that he was arrested for retaliation, as there's public records showing that. The story starts to differ from here, as the family members of Patricia state that she and Yasser bullied the girls into retracting their statement in order to keep him out of jail and forced them into telling the police that their grandmother had made them accuse Yasser of the abuse. Patricia states that the girls decided themselves to tell her that they made it up because that she said they just wanted to live with her grandmother. In an interview, Amina and Sarah's aunt, Connie, recounts that during the time Amina wrote her a letter stating that Yasser and Patricia told them to recant their statement, but begged her aunt not to make them go back to her father's house. Patricia later found that letter after discovering her sister informed the CPS about its existence. She took it, and there was nothing that came from that investigation with CPS because the aunt no longer had the letter. So in the end, of course, Patricia took the girls and went back to Yasser, again contradicting herself later by saying she, quote, didn't think he was capable of harming them, but then later stating that she was, quote, afraid he would harm her family, end quote. What I found disturbing about this is there are a ton of videos where it's Yasser recording the girls. At first, it seems a little innocent, you know, as they're growing up, the little kids, they're playing in the park. But there's one where he's teasing them about their need to sleep with their clothes on. 
and he's making comments to them like, ooh, nice legs, and telling their older brother to pull off the blankets while pointing the camera at their butts and saying, ooh, very nice, in a really creepy, creepy way. All of this, as they're clearly uncomfortable and screaming in protest and begging for Yasser and Islam to leave them alone. I've seen people state that it's maybe just their dad teasing, but when you pair these actions with the accusations, it becomes extremely creepy. And I'll, I'll try to add those videos to my website so that you can judge for yourselves. At 16, Yasser took Amina to Egypt in order to pair her up with a 47-year-old friend of his in an arranged marriage. Amina, having been born and raised in the United States, was understandably really against this idea. Not only because he was a stranger and much older, but because Amina was in love and had a secret relationship with a young man her own age, who she met in martial arts class. His name was Joseph. Sarah, too, had a secret boyfriend. While in Egypt, Amina wrote, quote, I would give anything to pick my own husband. I don't want to marry a stranger. I can't do it. I'm an American. I'm not like them. He was talking to my uncle about the bride prices for his daughters. They're literally trying to sell us, end quote. Now, for the third time in the story, and we aren't even partway done, Patricia states that it wasn't true, but then contradicts herself later by stating that it was just part of their culture. They would not be allowed to marry American men, and Sarah and Amina would have to marry Muslims from Egypt. This is what makes me extremely upset with her as it goes along because she's very obviously bent to the will of whatever Yasser wanted to do. She just really didn't look out for her children's best interest. Now, when it comes to the relationships that these girls had with their boyfriends, a lot of people are quick to jump to the assumption that it was just young puppy love and, you know, we all know what it's like to have that first love and how intense it is, but from what I've seen and heard regarding Amina and Joseph's relationship from documentaries and letters and interviews of Joseph and his mom, even recent ones years later, it wasn't just a puppy love type of thing. He adored her and she adored him and it was a deep level type of love. Watching both he and his mom recount their time with her is what simultaneously touched my heart and broke it at the same time when I first heard this story way back then. But anyway, because Yasser was so overbearing and controlling, Amina and Sarah had to keep these relationships and much of their lives secret. For instance, Amina had been awarded a $20,000 scholarship for college, and Sarah dreamed of a job in the medical profession. But because they weren't allowed to attend college due to her father's plans of arranged marriages, they kept those accolades secret too. They had to be very careful about what they wrote and texted regardless of how innocent it was, and it was so obsessive on Yasser's part that he bugged Amina's car to hear any conversations that she would have inside of it, and he would follow Amina and Sarah around without their knowledge, recording them on video and making commentary even while they were at work. One video depicts Yasser pointing the camera at Sarah while performing her duties at work from 11 p.m. to about 1 a.m. He states, quote, she can't see us from here, right? She's smiling to a customer. She's in trouble. End quote. So with all of this sneaking around and having to hide their friends and their boyfriends and their achievements, eventually something was going to give, and Yasser stumbled upon a love letter that Amina had written to Joseph. Amina insisted that the letter was just a fantasy and that she was just pretending what it would be like if she were allowed to have friends and be able to pick her own boyfriend, and she was just acting out what it would be like to write to this person and that he wasn't real. He was made up. 
Whether Yasser believed that at first or not is kind of up for debate, but it seems pretty evident that he eventually did not, because Amina was no longer allowed to attend her martial arts classes where Joseph was, and one of her classmates at Euless Trinity High School stated that Amina had shown up with red welts across her back and arms and, quote, her lips were pretty much attached to her braces due to the force in which Yasser kicked her in the face, end quote. Patricia tried taking Amina to the hospital, but it was later stated that Yasser's brother contacted Patricia on the way and convinced, or threatened, however you want to see it, not to take Amina in, so she turned around and brought Amina back home. Again, Patricia later states at this point that this is all untrue and that none of it happened. Yasser then packed them all up and moved to Louisville, Texas, pushing forward with the plan of ascending Amina to Egypt not very far after that. Amina eventually managed to email her martial arts instructor, telling him what was happening, and she also reached out to Joseph's mother, alerting her that Yasser was trying to find out who Joseph was, what his address was, and all of his information because he wanted to hurt him. She begged her to look into legal ways to prevent Yasser from forcing Amina onto the plane to Egypt. At first, Joseph's mother did not mention to her son that she'd heard from Amina again. Not because she was being spiteful or anything, but because she, like most mothers, was trying to protect her son after hearing that his life may be in danger. Not only that, but she knew that Joseph would probably try to get her help if he knew about all of this. Eventually, down the line, after a few back-and-forth communications with Amina, Ruth, Joseph's mom, gave Amina's contact info to Joseph and they began to communicate again. Through their communication, it was evident that Amina was getting more and more desperate to leave the situation. She was 17 by now, and her window of opportunity to get out before that forced marriage was getting smaller and smaller by the day. In her correspondence with friends and family, she became really depressed and desperate, eventually attempting to take her own life. On Christmas Day of 2007, Amina sent a message to Joseph stating that she and her sister Sarah had had enough. They were going to go take things into their own hands by running away. She stated that she would let Joseph and his mother know where they were when they got to their destination so that they would be able to pick them up. Sarah, too, reached out to her boyfriend, stating, quote, Me, Mina, and Mom are running away. My dad found out about Mina, and he's going to kill us, end quote. Concerned, Sarah's boyfriend then responded, asking if her father had threatened harm. Sarah responded with, quote, He told me that he was going to put a bullet through her head. He told me not to get used to my sister because she's not going to be with us long, end quote. On the same day, Patricia then reached out to family members stating that she was leaving Yasser and taking the girls away because she was afraid that the lives of the girls were in danger due to them dating American boys. She stated that they were going on the road and on their way to Patricia's sister's house in Wichita, Kansas because, quote, the girls were going to run away with their boyfriends and she couldn't let that happen, end quote. Amina would tell her aunt that Patricia told her that she had always wanted to leave Yasser, but didn't have the courage until then, so they let her come with them. And admittedly, this is a little bit suspicious, and Amina's aunt thought so as well, and she questioned Patricia, stating that she had gone back to Yasser many times before, so what would make this time different? And Patricia answered, quote, I can't go back to him this time. If I do, he'll definitely kill the girls, end quote. On December 27th, only two days after they left, Patricia decided that she no longer wants to stay with her sister, 
and drives herself, Sarah, and Amina to a day's inn in Tulsa while they supposedly were looking for a new home to rent. And as a safeguard against Yasser tracking their phones, they replace them with prepaid phones. If you're already kind of feeling like something is wrong by having Patricia along with Amina and Sarah, you're not alone. I mean, it's obvious that this woman either intentionally allows Yasser's behavior up to this point, since she was putting Amina and Sarah back in harm's way over and over and over again. But this time, Patricia files a report with the Louisville police stating that she was afraid of Yasser, that she left with the girls in order to keep them safe. Now, I'm pretty sure that she probably did this to avoid a kidnapping charge at this point because Yasser and their son, Islam, had filed a missing persons report on Patricia and the girls. So she had no choice really but to contact the police and let them know that they were safe and they had all left on their own volition. The police report that Patricia filed pretty clearly shows that she was of knowledge that he was going to hurt Amina and Sarah if he got a hold of them again because it stated that, quote, Patricia was leaving Yasser because he had threatened his 17-year-old daughter. She stated that since they were Muslim, the daughter was only allowed to date other Muslims, and that Yasser had found out that their daughter was dating a non-Muslim, which prompted him to threaten her with bodily harm. This concerned Patricia because she stated she had been violent with in the past, and she was afraid he would severely hurt her daughter. At that time, it was decided Patricia thought it was best to leave Yasser and drive to a safe place out of the state, end quote. On December 28th, Patricia, her sister Connie, Connie's children, and the girls sign a lease on a new apartment under an alias so not to be tracked down by Yasser, and they move in immediately. Shortly after, Patricia's son, Islam, began trying to contact Patricia through Connie's phone, as did Yasser, stating that they missed Patricia and the girls so much and that they wanted them home. Connie then told Patricia of these calls, but warned her that it was her opinion that it was a trick and that she shouldn't go back. At that point in time, Patricia agreed, but Amina was telling Joseph that she was worried because her mother was having second thoughts about leaving and she was scared that she was going to be forced to go back to Texas where her father was. Patricia then decided to call Yasser's brother, Yasin. According to her, she did so because he was leaving message after message on their old phone voicemails, and she was concerned. She states that Yasin was being very nice and stated that, quote, He said that we should come back, and if we didn't want Yasser there when we arrived, that they would make him leave, end quote. Shortly after that call, Patricia then proceeds to call Yasser. It's not known what was said between the two, but whatever it was, after that call, Patricia then decided that she and the girls would return to him, but decided to keep that fact a secret from Amina, lying to her and telling her that they were just going to stop in to put flowers on her grandmother's grave for her birthday, and then return back to Kansas afterward. They then left Kansas on December 30th. This is where in the past I have gotten supremely pissed off about this situation. This mother, if you can even call her a real mother at this point, has gone on record knowing that this man was going to hurt her children if she returned, but decided to lie and take them back anyway. And to this day, she still defends that piece of shit. I don't understand how, how a person can be just so stupid about things. Anyway, sometime during that drive back, Patricia comes clean with Amina and tells her that they're going to go back to her father. Amina understandably panics and refuses to return and insists upon staying with a friend of hers while trying to desperately contact family and friends and ask for help and advice on what to do. 
Her aunt, Connie, advised her to go to the police station and file a restraining order against Yasser, while Joseph and his mother began trying to work out a way to find her and pick her up so that they could keep her out of harm's way. On January 1st, Patricia then begins to call Amina nonstop while she's staying at a friend's house, begging for her to come home, going so far as to have her sister Sarah, who was now back home with their mother and their father, trying to get her to text Amina, asking her to call her, only for Patricia to get on the phone and tell her that she needs to come home. Amina kept refusing, of course. Now, guys, there's phone records proving that Patricia called again and again and again, literally nonstop hassling Amina, and not one outgoing phone call back to Patricia. Kind of a telltale sign that Amina did not want to go back, yet Patricia lies again, stating that Amina had called her to have her pick her up from her friend's house. Eventually, Patricia decides just to track Amina down and shows up at the place she was staying. She demands for her to come with her, stating, quote, we are running out of time, end quote. Somehow, Patricia convinces Amina to go with her. At this point, Amina texts Joseph and she's letting him know what's happening, that she's going back to her dad's and that she's scared. And he's asking her and begging her not to go back. But she tells him that she just, quote, has to do what she has to do, end quote. Once they arrive home, Yasser tells them that he wants to supposedly take them all out to dinner and talk with them to clear the air. He then took Amina and Sarah to an undisclosed location in his cab. Patricia, conveniently, of course, is not along for the ride. Yasser then pulls into a semi-secluded area and shoots them both. Sarah twice in the chest, Amina nine times, and flees the scene, leaving them to die. During the attack, Sarah managed to call 911, screaming for them to help. But sadly, not only did their mother fail them, but so did the 911 operator. He broke several protocol by placing her on hold without keeping communication going as they're supposed to. He even stopped listening on the call and he missed her cries for help for a number of minutes. Here is that 911 call, but a brief warning, it might be disturbing for some people to listen to. Note how the operator treats this call. Okay, let me transfer you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get um, uh, fire department online, okay? Hold on one sec, okay? If that call was a little bit hard to understand, the gist of it is Sarah screams, help me, oh my god, my sister, my dad shot me and now I'm dying, I'm dying. The operator then says, what's going on, ma'am? Sarah then responds, I'm dying, that's what's up. There's then a pause and the operator fumbles with telling her to hold on for a fucking transfer. 
And then the line goes quiet for a few seconds as you hear her groaning and then screaming at her father, oh my God, not again, stop it, stop it. It's a heartbreaking recording to hear, and I'm really just unsure how you put someone on fucking hold while they're telling you that they're dying. It's awful. After that original 911 call, another cab driver called in to report the two girls slumped over dead in the car. Yasser was nowhere to be found, and as a matter of fact, he has still to this day never been caught. He's on the FBI's 10 most wanted list, and at last report, the reward for information to find him is about $100,000. Family members state that they believe that one of Yasser's brothers helped him escape back to Egypt, while others still state that he has unverified sightings of him in hiding in Texas, but nothing has turned up yet. As another final insult to these two girls, Patricia, who somehow was not charged with any crime, decided to have her girls buried in a desolate, barren cemetery that basically looks like an empty parking lot with no grass and maybe a handful of unkempt graves surrounding them. Patricia's sister said she begged her not to leave the girls in that cemetery, but Patricia stated, quote, it was my decision to bury them in the Muslim cemetery, end quote. Honestly, these girls were failed by the system and their own family every step along the way. The only people that Amina really had to help her were her boyfriend and his mother, and really, what could they do? They had no legal recourse to take, and all they could do was be there to support her and step in if they needed, but they really couldn't only do so much. So, because her mother refused to step in to protect her own daughters from something she knew would happen, they lost their lives. Personally, I really think Patricia probably knows more where Yasser is, or at least knows who helped him escape. Because honestly, there's a zero chance, in my mind at least, that she's 100% innocent of this. It's disgusting to me to think so. I'm not sure where Joseph or any of the others are at this point in time or what they're up to, but Joseph himself wrote a piece about Amina for Business Insider in 2014 from his own point of view. He was explaining his relationship with Amina and how terribly her death had affected him. He recounts his last time with Amina as follows. Quote, The last time I saw Amina, it was summer. She told her family she was going to Six Flags with some friends. She didn't mention that I was one of them. We spent all day in the park, the most time we'd ever been together. Resolving not to talk about anything scary or difficult, we devoted the day purely to having fun. Losing ourselves in the massive crowds, we held hands nonstop. It was the only time we ever got to do that without worrying about the consequences. Of course, Amina wanted to go on the Titan roller coaster, one of the most hardcore thrill rides at the park. It's pretty intense. People in line in front of us bailed at the last minute, but Amina didn't seem worried. She insisted on waiting a few extra minutes so we could ride in the very front car. It will be fun, she promised, and it was. As we crested the 245-foot hill and began to speed downward, she threw her arms in the air, and I looked over at her. She was grinning. The biggest, most gorgeous smile I had ever seen. She wasn't scared at all. End quote. Well, on that somber note, I end today's episode. I'll have videos and pictures up on creepacademy.com if you guys want to check it out, and a few pictures on Instagram at creepacademycast as well. Don't forget to follow, like, and share with your friends as well, and write those reviews, guys. I can't tell stories you want to hear without suggestions and feedback. But until next week, stay creepy.